When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Podcast1.com and iTunes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for streaming. I don't know. Do you stream a podcast? I guess. You download it. You listen to it. You can stream it. Yeah. Yeah. You can do whatever the hell you want with it. Just listen to it. However you do. Thank you for doing so. And I'm excited to be here with you for another week. And this week, my guest, which will join us in just a second, will be M. Shadows from Avenged Sevenfold. Been an interesting year for Avenged and the uh, launch of their album, The Stage. We had Matt on this show talking about that when the album was launched. And since then, the album came out and they did some touring with Metallica. And now they're getting ready to go out and do their own headlining dates and really are attempting to reinvigorate interest in this record. It's kind of been an interesting record for a band that is definitely at the forefront of the the metal world with the younger crowd and not extremely young, but, you know, younger than I am and but but not, you know, 20, but somewhere in that middle range. And one of those bands that certainly does extremely well and has an incredible fan base. And they found uh, themselves releasing a very ambitious record with the stage, a bit of a, con- well, def- not a bit of, a concept record in a lot of ways and some sort of proggy elements to it. And if you followed Avenged Sevenfold's career at all, they have had a lot of different changes and experiments to their sound, which I think is um, pretty interesting and pretty cool. Most people aren't going to like every single thing they do. I don't. 
But uh, you respect the fact that as artists, they're willing to try some different stuff. And I think that's pretty cool. So they did some different things with this album, The Stage, and it was their first for a new record label. Of course, you've probably now heard the story about how they released the record with zero pre-buzz and pre-press and just dropped it one day on the world. And that was a big publicity stunt, kind of the opposite of what most people do, trying to create excitement by doing absolutely nothing in advance of the record and making it a surprise when it was released. So a lot has gone on and a lot of people have weighed in on whether that was smart or not. The album in terms of sales did not perform and has yet to perform at the levels of previous Avenged Sevenfold records. But could that be just the continuing demise of sales in the music industry? Uh, Could it be the way they released the record? Could it be the type of record that they made? There's a lot there, and we get into a lot of that with Matt from Avenged coming up in a little bit. Matt's become a friend over recent years, and I really enjoy talking to him. I think he's a smart guy. I enjoy his band. I enjoy uh, sharing stories with him and talking. He's, he's a great interview. I, I, I've always uh, liked having him on the show. And he dropped by, actually called into my Sirius XM volume show a few weeks ago because the stage is getting ready for a re-release in a deluxe edition, they've been doing some cover songs they're going to add to it, all of this to sort of spike some interest. And they're getting ready, like I said, to do their own shows, their own headlining shows in America, where they're going to take out a big stage production after doing this run with Metallica. So we get into uh, a lot of this stuff in the interview you're about to hear, and I think you will enjoy uh, listening to him. Even if you are not a fan of the band, he's an interesting guy and he's a smart guy, and uh, this is definitely... You know, people talk about and ask me all the time about, well, listen, all the big bands that we grew up with in the 70s or what have you, they're starting to kind of go away. They're starting to retire. They're starting to break down. Where are the bands? Well, you got to root for a band like Avenged Sevenfold to continue. Now, they already are at that level. They're not. This isn't a band that's trying to break. They already are a huge band. Don't get me wrong. But you've got to maintain and you've got to root for them to maintain and continue to evolve and grow because they are young enough to go for another 20 years quite easily. So I am rooting for guys like this as well as the really young artists to 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 keep the whole thing and the whole scene moving forward and to kind of carry the torch going forward. So we'll talk about that. They also did a, a recent cover of Wish You Were Here, Event Sevenfold did. We touch on that as well. All my interviews, as usual, originate on my SiriusXM show on volume, which you can hear every day live, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, replaying 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern time on SiriusXM channel 106. Of course, they do a second show on Mondays as well, 5 to 8 p.m. on Channel 39. you got the FM radio show on affiliated radio stations across the country in great cities like Milwaukee and Boston and New York City and uh, Kansas City and many other good places as well. So we thank all our FM stations for that show. And the big news since I spoke to you last here on this podcast is that officially it was announced my new TV show. A press release went out last Friday for something that I've been teasing and talking about for a little while with you guys, and I'm very excited now. It's officially announced and launched and out there, and that is the uh, the Trunk Fest, as it's being called. No, I did not name it, but that is what the network thought would be a fun name. So it, you you guys may have heard me that in the last uh, couple of months, I've been going out to various music festivals and doing some shooting, and that's what I've been shooting. 
And it is uh, a new series for Access TV that is going to premiere sometime next year. And it is me going around and covering music festivals. Now, there's already in the less than a week that this has been officially announced by the network, there's already been a lot of um, not exactly accurate assumptions about this show. Few things. I am the host of the show. Yes, it is branded with me. I do not pick the festivals that we go to. So <laughs> I've already, like Jamie Jost on Twitter was saying to me, oh, you got to cover more heavy music. Those are not my decisions. And Jamie should know better than that. He's been in TV. <laughs> you don't make all the calls. It's a, it's a gig. So I don't make the decisions on the festivals. I can suggest stuff, and they're great people to work with there at Access, but come on now. Uh, you know, I have a lot of ideas and a lot of suggestions, but just like when I did that metal show or any TV or any gig, you've got to have the, you've got to, you know, the people you're working with have to agree with you, want to do it. My gosh, I'd be out there every week covering stuff and doing everything, you're doing a million things. So anyway, there, the other big, the other thing about this is uh, just to kind of clear the air on some stuff. The show is not going to be a metal show in any way. It is going to be mostly rooted in rock, for sure. But the festivals we cover on Trunkfest are not going to be determined by who's playing them. They are more about what goes on at them. This, in a lot of ways, is as much a travel and experience show as it is a music show. Every episode will have a few minutes of artist interviews from some of the artists playing at that festival, and many of the times they will be rock and metal artists. But the show is going to be about the things that go on at these festivals. There are so many music festivals out there right now. We talk about that a lot and they are all over the place and they are going for, you know, there's, they're still going here. We are into November and there's still some festivals popping up in different parts of the country. So this whole show is about what goes on around the festivals, the rides, the experiences, the food, um, I, so far I shot Sturgis, so I covered the motorcycles I shot in Kentucky. So I covered bourbon and talked to the guy from Jack Daniels. I just shot in new Orleans. So we cover some of the stuff that's native to new Orleans. <clears throat> and, um, that's the idea. Those are the, that's the sort of vibe that we're going for. Like these festivals, there's stuff that goes on. They're massive events. And some to, at some of them, quite honestly, the music is and who's playing is just a small part of it. So we're covering what goes on around the festivals and at the festivals, and then of of course bringing you some stuff from the bands as well. For instance, last week in New Orleans, I spoke to Prophets of Rage and I spoke to Taylor from the Foo Fighters. So when that episode airs, you'll see segments of those interviews along with me frying Oreos and going on rides and going through a haunted mansion because it was Halloween and all that sort of stuff. So it's very much these festivals through my eyes and what goes on all around them. The other thing to address about this, which needs to be put out there immediately, is this, again, as I said, has nothing to do with that metal show. It is nothing to do with that program or that network 
in any way whatsoever. And most importantly, it does not in any way prohibit me doing that metal show again if that show finds a new home and comes back. I can do that show again tomorrow if they call and say, we're ready to go, we have a new network. Can't be more clear about that. I I understand and appreciate greatly the people that love and miss and ask about that metal show. As I've said many times, nobody misses it more than me. But it is 100% out of my control if that show ever sees the light of day again. I've tried. I've helped the producer who owns it and is still shopping it as much as very recently where I shot some new promo material for him to help him shop it. So I'm doing everything within my power to assist him if and when he asks, but I do not own it. Our former producer does and has since the show ended, and he is aware, as I am making you guys aware, that if he calls tomorrow and says we have a new home, we're doing the show, we are all, all in. And doing other TV stuff does not prohibit me from being able to do that metal show again. So, uh, you know, oh, now that metal show is really dead. This this has nothing to do with it. You know, when that metal show ended, if you notice, the, the three of us, myself, Don, and Jim, were still great friends. But everybody sort of went to their natural things that they were doing before that metal show. For me, I've been in music my whole life. I've been in radio my whole life. I did TV before that metal show. I'm doing TV after that metal show. I'm still doing radio, which will be 35 years next year. I'm still working in music full-time. That's what I've done my whole life before, during, and after that metal show. Don and Jim are stand-up comics. They've gone back to their comfort zone and what they've done their whole life. They are in comedy clubs every weekend doing stand-up. So we all, everybody has to do what they have to do, and everybody pursues their things and tries, but it doesn't mean we, we, there's any issue in ever doing the show again. We all want to do it. We all hope to do it. But you need to find a network that will believe in putting on a daily or a weekly rock talk show. And it is not anywhere as easy as I think a lot of the fans that I hear from think that it is. So if that comes around, and I hope it does, I'm all in. In the meantime, I'm thrilled to be working with Access TV and have my own show there. Uh, This should premiere sometime early next year. And in the meantime, I have another show that's a music interview show that's TV-based, and I hope to have a home for that soon. But I, I, you know, I... I work towards all the usual stuff, man, and I'm hustling just like everybody and uh, excited about the future and, uh, and and excited to hopefully one day do TMS again if a home is found. Um, and as far as Trunkfest and Access TV, we, uh, we need to do like, I don't know, four or six more episodes because they want to have a full season done before the show premieres. So we have four done now. I would think at least four, hopefully six or maybe even eight more, and then you'll have a chunk of 10 or 12 to roll out one every week when they start to air next next year. So it's going to be a little while before people see it because here we are in November, and although even, even though there are still some music festivals, they are starting to wind down a little bit. So I imagine we're going to actually be able to finish off when we get into the um, early part of next year and then start setting a date when this thing will premiere. So it's going to be a little while before anybody actually sees this show. 
And I've also been asked, as I was, and I've done other projects for Access TV in the past, about a lot of questions. Uh, there are a lot of people that say they don't get the channel. I find that's not true. Most people can get the channel. They There's a couple things. They don't know how to find it because the channel is pronounced Access TV, and they look for that spelling of that word. That is not how it will come up in your grids. It is spelled A-X-S TV. So that's what you want to look for, A-X-S. There's a ton of music programming. Above and beyond the fact that I have a show there, there's a there's a ton of cool stuff on there. Sammy Hagar has his show. There's there's a ton of concerts and things like that. So it's it's definitely something to look into. The other thing, and this is very much kind of like um, just like VH1 Classic, the same thing where people couldn't find that or didn't think they get it. Well, there are a lot of people that get the channel, but you need to upgrade your service to get the tier of channels that Access TV may be on. That was very common with VH1 Classic. People, I don't get VH1 Classic. Well, you do, but you're buying the cheapest or the base package of your cable system. you got to buy up and spend the extra 8 10 bucks, buy the other clump of channels. It might be in that. So before you assume you don't get the channel, ask your cable provider if you do. Now, there are cable providers that simply don't carry it. I, I understand that. But I've heard from a lot of people, and I've said, well, what service do you have? And they'll tell me. I go, I, it's on there. You just got to search for it, or you may need to spend a couple bucks more a month to get it. If you're a music fan, not just saying it because I have a show there now or coming there now, but if you're a music fan, it is definitely worth looking into. And again, I understand that there are uh, services that simply do not carry it at all. And if that is the case, uh, hopefully there will be a way for you guys to be able to see the show, whether it's online or some sort of sub thing. I don't know. I clearly have no impact or involvement on the distribution of the channel in any way. But I thank Access TV for the opportunity. I thank Mark Cuban, who owns Access TV and is very involved in, in rubber stamping everything that goes on there. So this is a great project that I'm thrilled that I was uh, asked to do, and I greatly appreciate being a part of that with my producers and everybody there and being part of that family. So can't wait for Trunk Fest to air and for you guys to see it sometime next year on Access. All right, so let's... um. Let's get into this week. We're going to talk to uh, Shadows from Avenge coming up in just a couple minutes. I want to remind you about my Amazon storefront, amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. You know the deal. Be sure to go there. Look at all the stuff that I've handpicked in the Amazon store for you guys to have a look at that might be of interest to you. Always start your Amazon shopping there and go on to other areas of the site from there for the rest of your shopping. Again, bookmark it. Start there all the time, amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. By the way, that Kiss 77 to 80 book that is in the um, Amazon store that uh, that I put in my storefront, that's a really cool book. And I just had uh, the photographer, Lynn Goldsmith, who did that book on my show. And that was a great conversation. I hope to bring that to you sometime in the near future on an episode of the podcast. Also coming soon, we'll have Sammy Hagar on. We will have uh, Bruce Dickinson on. Speaking of uh, books, Bruce Dickinson has his autobiography out. He is scheduled to do my radio show this Friday. So if you have Sirius XM tomorrow, if you're listening to this on post day, Bruce Dickinson should be live in the studio on my show on volume. And in a, in a couple of weeks after that, I'll be able to bring you that audio here on the podcast as well. So we've got a lot, of, a lot of cool stuff going on, as usual. Follow on social media, at Eddie Trunk. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, 
Twitter where I would be most active, and also eddytrunk.com is the website. All my appearances coming up, including Parfest in uh, Brookshire, Texas, coming up on the 11th of November. And then coming December 1st, I'll be back in Tulsa, IDL Ballroom, hosting Lita Ford and Jack Russell's Great White. I've got an L.A. trip in there for a special event that will be announced soon in between all that. So a lot of good stuff going on. All confirmed appearances on the homepage of eddytrunk.com. Real quick here, too, I almost forgot to tell you, when I was in New Orleans, my first visit to that city in 30 years last week, had a blast. What a great city. Really, really enjoyed it. And uh, had a chance to see the Foo Fighters. Spent a, a lot of time hanging and talking with Dave Grohl after the show and Taylor Hawkins, who you'll see in the Trunk Fest episode. Great seeing those guys. Super cool uh, guys. Amazing band. I watched their full set, and I appreciate their hospitality and taking some time out. Really good catching up with Dave and Taylor and the Foo Fighters guys there. So uh, that was a lot of fun. That That whole scene there in New Orleans is uh, amazing for that festival. I'd never been to Voodoo Fest before. Very eclectic lineup. And, you know, not all music that I would like. Very young fan base. But it was, uh, it will be, it was really, really kind of cool. And, I mean, that's kind of like what I love doing so much about this Trunk Fest show, where it's exposing me to some stuff and some festivals I normally wouldn't be at. And I, I'm not a Kendrick Lamar guy, but it was interesting to see people watch that. I saw some people watching EDM, and then you go on the other stage, and there's Foo Fighters kicking ass. So kind of cool to see these sort of eclectic lineups that are out there and experience things I normally wouldn't if I wasn't shooting a TV show there. But the Foo Fighters guys were great. Maybe I'll tell you more about that last uh, next week. We hung out after the show for a bit, and it's really good catching up with them. It's really inspiring. And, oh, I saw the struts. I want to thank my buddy, comedian Craig Gass. He invited me out to see the Struts. He was opening for them last Friday in New Orleans at House of Blues. Great young British rock band. So much fun seeing them. So much fun seeing young fans into what they were doing. And then the next day seeing Foo Fighters just completely kick ass. I mean, they're one of the biggest rock bands in the world. But the cool thing is they're just, you know, especially Dave and Taylor, they're still just regular dudes, man. And I I always I appreciate that just as much as anything when it comes to these uh, huge bands and the great careers that they have. So great time in New Orleans last weekend, and uh, and great seeing them. And thanks to the Foos, and thanks to the Prophets of Rage guys as well. Didn't get to watch them play, but spent some time with them, and they gave us some great stuff for the upcoming TV show. All right, we'll get into it in a second with them Shadows of Avenged Sevenfold on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Sit tight, coming up. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Well, I've been telling you guys about TrueCar for a while now. What people may not know about TrueCar is that using TrueCar can also help you buy a used car. In fact, there are over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from TrueCar certified dealers nationwide. Whether you're looking to buy new or used, you can get upfront pricing, information that empowers discounts off the list price for used cars, and a better buying experience through the TrueCar certified dealer network. There are over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from True Car Certified Dealers Nationwide, and you'll see what other people paid for the car you want so you can know what a fair price is and feel confident. With True Car, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing 
so you can enjoy a quick, easy buying experience. Using True Car, you can easily find the new or used car you want. So check it out. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. That's right. The Lady Ang podcast is turning 100. We have laughed, cried, giggled, unfiltered through 100 episodes, and we want you to join us for our 100th birthday extravaganza. We're looking back at all the best moments, the funniest moments, the best advice we got from our 100 guests, and we want you to join us. So come find us on Tuesday, and you can find us exclusively at podcastone.com or the new Podcast One app. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so we can feel famous. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get auto loan rates as low as 1.04% APR for 36 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. All right, it's the Eddie Trunk Podcast, and this week my guest from Avenge Sevenfold is singer M. Shadows. Again, all interviews you hear on the Eddie Trunk Podcast originate on my Sirius XM show on volume channel 106, which you can hear live Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, replaying every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, and on demand on the Sirius XM app. Hope you join me for the live show each and every day, Monday through Friday on channel 106. And with that, from uh, probably about a week and a half ago, here is M Shadows of Avenge Sevenfold, this week's interview on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. What's going on, brother? How are you? Good, man. Good, man. Were you home last week? Are you on the road, or where were you? I was home, and I didn't get the invite. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had this raging party at my hotel, and damn, I didn't call you. Shit. Oh, oh man. man, it could have been better. I know. No, I didn't even think of uh, you know, I didn't I always think you guys being on the road so much, especially with the new record out. I didn't even hit me, but you could have come in person and hung out for a show, but we'll we'll have to hit you next time for that. All right, all right. Next time. How's things, man? Everything's good, man. Yeah, um we've actually been off since the Metallica tour. So, uh, you know, we're we're back at home now and we're um gearing up for all sorts of crazy stuff uh we've got a, a show at the grammy museum uh this month and we have the Loudwire awards and then we're doing a thing with you know the benefit for chester at the hollywood bowl um lincoln park so we got a few things this month but basically besides that we're kind of just chilling at home and getting ready for this next tour in january yeah we'll talk let's look, before we go forward let's go back a little bit so going back to the tour with metallica i saw you guys in, in new jersey on that it was it was unbelievable um, outside of the one show you missed because it was uh, one of your guitar players had a kid, right? I forget which one. Yeah, it was Brian. Yeah, Syngate. So right. he, had a, he had a baby right. here in Philadelphia. So you missed one show, but outside of that, everything went went great, I would imagine. It was a great run with those guys. Yeah, it was great, man. It got better and better. Um, and by the time we finished, it was uh, it was heartbreaking to let that go. I remember standing you know, in Edmonton, in the middle of the crowd, just looking around going, you know, this is, I don't know when we're ever going to be able to 
play shows of this magnitude again, if ever, you know, uh, so it was pretty, pretty surreal. Did you get to have much interaction with the Metallica guys? I mean, I, I know them all and they're such good people, but I, I don't, do they kind of uh, swoop in and do their own thing or did you guys get to see each other much? You know, I saw Lars and Robert a ton. Um, I didn't see James much. He was kind of flying in and out of Vail, um, going back to his family and doing that whole thing, kind of one of the perks of touring the way they do. Um, but, you know, Lars still likes to go out and stay in the cities for a few days off and, and hang out, go to dinners and, and just hang out. So he's really accessible. Um, and Robert's, you know, best friends with Brooks, our drummer. So uh, we saw Robert a lot. So, yeah, it, it was fun hanging out with those guys. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Brooks and Robert played together on this record by this guitar player that used to play with Ozzy, Joe Holmes. Uh, Joe, Joe did a record a few a couple years ago under the name Pharmacos, and the rhythm section was Brooks and Robert. So I knew that they had played together in that. It's, it's killer stuff, actually. It didn't really get m- much traction when it came out, unfortunately, but it, it's really cool. So I would imagine that was, among other things, probably their link. Well, there you go. I'm, I'm learning new stuff every day. You know, Brooks and, and Robert have played on a lot of stuff together, and that's uh, one I'm going to have to go dig up. But, I, I, you know, I heard about Brooks initially when I was probably 14 years old uh, when he was playing in Infectious Grooves. Right. And that was him and Robert. Right. And uh, so that's how we were introduced to him. Yeah, that's right. Of course, Infectious Grooves they did together. How is Speaking of Brooks, who is a relatively new member of Avenged Sevenfold as your drummer, how, how are things going with him? I mean, this is really your first big go-around with him on board. It, it's, I mean, it just couldn't be better. I mean, I I couldn't say enough good things about the guy. He's so professional, but besides that, he's just got one of those personalities where you just want to be around him and hang out with him. And he's uh, fun to write with because he's always throwing, I mean, you can just, you can just kind of turn up the crazy factor and you can kind of move it however you want, you know, like what kind of rhythm do you want or what kind of beat? And you can just kind of say crazier, 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 and he's just going to get off the wall, which is pretty cool because um, it's all, you know, he's been playing drums his whole life and he's just from such a talented family and his brother's so talented and his dad's talented. Um, so it's one of those things where he's just like the perfect match for us. And it's been, it's been brilliant. And how does he tackle the, the older material from you guys? Like, is he, he's, I, I imagine, especially as a drummer, he's probably got to play it pretty, pretty, pretty close to how it was originally recorded. Right. Yeah, I mean, he was he was definitely a fan of Jimmy's style, and so he's playing that stuff pretty faithful. But at the same time, you know, he's you, he, when he plays live, he's turning around some beats and he's throwing some different grooves in there, and he's starting to really, you know, add some of his own fills and maybe some of the breaks where there weren't drums before. And um, it's pretty exciting stuff because he's really turning into his own stuff, which has been kind of our plan the whole time was to let him you know, spread his wings a bit and, and make the songs his own. So he feels completely comfortable up there every night and, and, you know, energized to play the set. And you mentioned you were going to do this uh, Chester Bennington tribute show. Did you have a lot of uh, history with Lincoln Park and Chester? Did you guys know each other very well? Did you stay in touch? So I didn't know Chester very well. I, I knew him, you know, kind of fleetingly, I guess. Um, but, I'm really good friends with Mike Shinoda and Dave and, um, you know, Mike, me and Mike hang out every, um, summer when Coachella happens and, you know, the desert trip this year, um, when they had all the, you know, Pink Floyd or I'm sorry, Roger Waters and Paul McCartney and all that. So he usually comes out to the house out there and we'll hang out all weekend. And, you know, he actually played me this whole record before, before it came out and it was 
pretty haunting at the time, even hearing Chester's demos on the record. Um, and then for this all to happen, is just heartbreaking. And uh, I think Mike realizes we've been through the same sort of thing. Um, even though, you know, the revs wasn't a suicide, you're, you know, you're losing a friend sure. at such an early age. And so it's, it's insane. So uh, for us, you know, he reached out and wanted to get this thing going. And me and Brian were just like, you know, whatever song you want to do, whatever, we're easy. We'll be there and we'll, we'll nail it. So I think they've uh, accumulated a system of a down now and, and the guys in corn are going to do it. And Blink-182 is going to do it. So it's a pretty cool lineup to come out there and, and celebrate Chester's life. Have you guys sorted out what you're specifically going to do? Can you say exactly what you're you're going to play and sing, or has that not been determined yet? Um, it, it keeps changing on us, and, and at the same time, since it's not our show, I don't want to ruin any surprises because they've definitely been secretive about it. Um, I mean, if it was our show, I'd, I'd tell you what we were right. going through, but we've got some uh, – we we're going to play some of the hits for them and, and, and sing through some cool stuff. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, man, from every from where a lot from where I sit and a lot of people are kind of buzzing about it 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 kind of feels like Mike is going to continue doing Lincoln Park in some capacity off of this. I mean, even some of the statements that have come out since this whole tragedy happened is is been very much of the mindset of like and, and the tone of like what we're going to do next and it, it seems like the, i mean we've seen so many bands y- yourself your own band after a tragedy move forward um i i don't know how, i don't know how you feel just speaking as a fan but it kind of feels like they're going to go forward you know i think they're human beings and they have a long life to live and i think if they love music this much they they have every right to move forward and you know knowing mike as well as i do he's always been you know, in my opinion, the, the leader of that band, the guy who gets things going, the guy who gets the demos going, the guy who is just, you know, obsesses over every detail of that band. Um, it's going to be hard to lose Chester. He easily was one of the, the best vocals of our time um, from, from when I was growing up. Just watching them live, he just was flawless for what he did. And that's going to be tough. But at the same time, Mike is such a hard worker and he's so dedicated to that band and, and put so much time in that I can't just see him you know, just being done with it. And, you know, that's that's exactly right, because I had heard an interview with their producer, and th- this was before Chester died, and he said that although Chester was the front man of the band for, for the most part, that, that Mike was really, especially in the studio and stuff, really a big part of the reason why that band sounded the way they did and an architect of what they did. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's going to try to find a way to continue it. And again, you you yourself can speak more than, you know, un- un- incredibly close to home, as you mentioned earlier, having losing a band member and having that sort of tragedy hit and then sort of reassessing things when the dust settles and saying, Okay, we're going to continue, and here's how we're we're going to do it. For for you, you ended up bringing in Portnoy, who was you know the Rev was a fan of, and and did a nice sort of tribute like that. But I mean, everybody has their different sort of process on how they deal with that. Yeah, it's tough, man. It's it's there's no blueprint for life, right? And um, you know, these guys are they're all great dudes, and and when something like this happens. I think the fans just need to give them time to, to recoup, and they're going to know what feels right and what feels wrong. It would just be a shame if they stopped making music altogether. I don't know if it's under a different name or if they keep the Linkin Park name, but, you know, like you said, I mean, Mike is the driving force in that band. He is meticulous. He's He obsesses over everything from the label to the producer they're using to the beats they're doing to the type of songs they're going to write. Um, and it's... I just can't see him letting that go. I don't, I don't think it's possible. And I think it would be a shame if he did. 
Yep, it seems like that's exactly the direction where it's heading. So when you were on with me last, it was just after the whole stage thing was launched, when you played on the Capitol Records roof and the whole way you kind of dropped the record where there was no, and I've talked about this a lot since you guys did that with the stage. It's like there seems to be two very different schools of the way people release music now. There's either a ton of advanced content and there's six months of a different video or song every month and then all of a sudden, oh, the record, here's the record finally, or like you did it or Disturbed or some other bands have done it where radio silence and one day, boom, here's our new record. So looking back on it now, how do you feel about the way you launched the record? Do you do you stand behind the decision to do it like that? Would you do it again? Or you know, now that you've got some some history to look back on, what are your thoughts? Well, I think, you know, either way we did it, it was going to be, you know, in our own minds, we think we can do it better. So I think we, we, dis, we, we didn't capture the casual fan. That was obvious. Um, the, the fan that's on our, you know, going on the Reddit pages and that, is on Instagram and, and checking out the Facebook page and listening to the radio, they, they knew that the stage was coming out and it was exciting to them. And, and from what I've heard from fans, it was like the most exciting week of, you know, their musical life in terms of a band doing something like that. But we clearly didn't capture the, the person living, you know, in middle America who doesn't listen to the radio and doesn't do all that stuff, you know, and, and just goes to Best Buy and has to drive an hour to Best Buy. We clearly didn't catch the casual fan. But I think that if we put on the record the same way we did the last six or seven records, um, I would probably be sitting here, you know, shaking, going like, we got to do something different. This isn't, we can't keep doing this. And I know that's how we felt before we released it. So I think, you know, grass is always greener. We obviously missed out on a lot of record sales, but we all, but we all, at the same time, we did something cool. We tried something cool. And I guess my big thing going forward is that I don't want to get gun shy of doing cool new inventive things just because this didn't particularly work out for us um at the end of the day uh, we've got this killer tour in january which the tickets went on sale last weekend and it's by far the highest ticket count we've ever had for a tour going throughout our whole career and whether that has to do with the metallica thing or just the way we've been doing stuff or that people are pent up you know after a year of a record being out and had no shows on it um i don't know what the what the formula is but to me, it's good news. And so as long as we keep people interested and do different things, I think it's all going to be all right. But would I do that same thing again? Probably not at this point. But I think there, but I think there are ways to be inventive in the music industry and try to keep people engaged. Yeah, well, I, I, I was a fan of it. I thought it was a great idea. I think that there's a lot of... Um there's so much clutter out there and there's so much saturation out there that it, and, and sometimes artists are so worried about the pre-order and doing advanced press for three, four, five, six months out from a record actually coming out that by the time it actually is out and you can actually buy it, people have lost interest and they're not even sure when it actually is coming out. So there, everybody has a different process and I think it's a bit of the wild west. I don't think anybody really has the exact answer, but I think it is refreshing the way you did it. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a very cool thing. And, you know, you said you didn't mention the casual fan. Do you think that people now after touring with Metallica ha- and, and the record having been out there for a while, do you think the casual fan has come around and discovered it a little bit? I don't know. You know, I think, I think now with social media and with, um, you know, with so much information out there, I feel that people, things get like a dirty, you know, a dirty name to them. Like 
people, the casual fan feels like this record's too advanced for them to get into. I've seen that a lot where they think it's too progressive or they want just, you know, simple straight ahead rock songs. And this, this record isn't that at all. It's a, it's a lot more progressive. It's a lot more in depth. And the subject matter is, you know, about science, artificial intelligence and space. Back with more of M Shadows of Avenged Sevenfold right after this on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Well, do you guys have a website? Do you want a website? Do you need a website? Well, you should really check out Bluehost because Bluehost is a top-rated website provider. They power over 2 million websites. Doesn't matter if you're a blogger or a small business owner, Bluehost has everything you need to build the website you've always wanted. They are the best tool to build, host, and manage your personal or small business website. Bluehost gives you the freedom to design your site any way you want without being limited by templates. And Bluehost makes hosting your website stress-free so you can get back to what matters most. Simple enough for beginners, powerful enough for even the most advanced users. Ultimate flexibility and control fully customizable templates and third-party app support true reliability we're talking 99.9 percent uptime guarantee and automated updates maximum security that includes malware monitoring and protection and automatic secure wordpress installs 24 7 tech support online resources and expert services to help you succeed and save time bluehost they are the number one recommended WordPress host on WordPress.org since 2005. Check this out. Eddie Trunk listeners save 50% when you sign up at Bluehost.com slash Eddie Trunk. Once again, that's Bluehost, B-L-U-E-H-O-S-T dot com slash Eddie Trunk. Bluehost.com slash Eddie Trunk for 50% off. The Serial Killer Podcast, hosted by me, Thomas Weiberg Thune, is the podcast dedicated to serial killers, who they were, what they did, and how. Join me as I sit down bi-weekly to bring you, dear listener, into the dark land of serial murder and psychopathy. The show goes into graphic detail on the most infamous and lesser-known serial killers from around the world, with each episode covering one unique serial killer. So far, the show has covered serial killer superstars, such as BTK, Jeffrey Dahmer, and the Yorkshire Ripper, and lesser-known killers, such as Elias Abuelazan and Anatoly Onoprienko. Be advised, this show is not for children, as it takes you deep into the twisted world of ultimate evil. You can find me exclusively at podcastone.com or on the new Podcast One app. Also, don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Always enjoy talking to this guy, so let's continue the conversation right now. M. Shadows from Avenge Sevenfold talking about all sorts of stuff, including an upcoming deluxe edition of the stage, which we want to get into in a second. But before we do that, Matt, I wanted to ask you, because you talked about the reaction to the stage and that it was a different record, especially coming off of the last one. Creatively, what you did with this record and the material on it do you stand behind it? Do you feel it was the right record to to make? Are you guys personally 
you know, still fans of what you did on it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's so many leagues above, in my opinion, of anything we've ever done. It's still my favorite record. Um, super proud of it. I've always loved the, the weirder side of, of rock and metal, um, and I just felt like getting into some of the, the, the cool you know, the dissonant chords and the, the different type of vocal melodies, I, I completely stand by it and love it. Um, you know, it would be great if everyone liked, you know, you know, liked the record as much as I do uh, in terms of the fans. But uh, so we're going to go out there and see what happens on this tour, because this is really the first time we're going to have to bring it to the States. Because with Metallica, and, uh, you just yeah. with the on the Metallica run, you I think when I saw you, if I re- recall, you only played the title track, right? No, we also played Goddamn. So we played two tracks. Um, so we played, yeah, two tracks from this record, two, one track from Hell to the King, you know, two tracks from Nightmare and two tracks from the White Album. We really only had an hour, and that was kind of all we got. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was tough to find a set list. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in that environment, you're on a big stadium tour. You're, you're in a middle slot before a, a mega band. I mean, that's how, as much as you'd love to play more, from a new record that you had out at the time, it's a tough environment to try to sell a brand new record in, no matter how it was received from the fans, I would think. Oh, it totally is. And it's, and it's a tough, you know, a tough sell for Metallica too, you know, going out there and playing new songs when you've got 70,000 people there that want to hear the black album, right. you know, and it's just so crazy. I mean, we would, we would watch some nights where, you know, we could see the whole audience and even for stuff off of, you know, Master of Puppets or Ride the Lightning, they play these songs and nothing has the reaction of the Black Album. It's just, it's mind-blowing how big that record was. Yeah, it's always it's always um, been amazing to me, though, because, and I've never quite figured this out, even, even bands, like, I understand I'm totally in the minority because I'm a geek and I love deep tracks from, from, old records or even new tracks. I mean, I love, I, I'm a, I'm the total opposite of everybody else. Like if I go to see guns and roses, I I'll leave during welcome to the jungle. If it's the, it's the last song, cause I just don't ever need to hear it again. <laughs> Most people yeah. are there because that's what they're waiting for the whole time. But it's always been an amazing thing to me. Like you talk about how huge, like the black album is. And it is, of course, it's one of the biggest records ever, but something tells me, and I've seen this happen they play Enter Sandman or Sad But True from that record, everybody goes apeshit. If they play something like Of Wolf and Man, only about <laughs> half of the people are going to, those same half of the people are going to go apeshit. And I've always scratched my head at that. And I was like, well, wait, okay. If 20 million people bought the Black Album, did they only ever listen to Sandman and nothing else matters? Like, did you cu- know, did man. you jump over through the never? Like, what happened? <laughs> it's weird. I know, and, and it's just, it's the same thing. Like, and being an, being a band member, it's like so tough because you do get the people that like will just hound you about playing those deeper tracks, and you and you bring them out, and then it's just like a fart in the wind. You know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, no one cares, like except like the ten people in the back, and it's unfortunate. Um, I'm the same way as you, though. I love when people pull out stuff. When I was at Coachella and saw the Guns N' Roses reunion, you know, they're playing Coma and Estranged. Yeah. And, I mean, just all these big, long songs that I love, that I grew up loving. And, I mean, they played, like, uh, what is it, uh, Double Talk and Jive, like, stuff like that. And everyone's just bored, you know. And then they play Paradise City, and the whole place just comes alive and goes crazy. And it's like, really? Like, I, I just... 
I, I don't get it, but you know, we're in this business and this is what we do. So we're, I think we're a little more obsessed than the, the casual fan. You know, they're, they did sell like 30 million records of the black album worldwide. Um, I think it's, you know, it, it's, it's pretty crazy. And it's because of Sandman and Zappa true. Yeah, no. And I, I'm with you and I, I can always see it from both sides because doing what I do, I'm deep into it. And, and I, I listen to all this stuff and I, I live and die for it. You guys do as well, but you're in the position of being fans and also being uh, in it. You know, you're creating it. You have a fan base you have to uh, appeal to, and it's it's a tough spot because I'm sure you'd love to play some deep tracks. I'm sure you'd love to play some different stuff, but you got to try to find that balance because for every guy like me or you that's in the audience, the, there's way more. There's 10 of the person that's there to hear the songs that they just heard on the radio. And it, it, it you, you go... you. It bums me out because I'll watch a band play some stuff and I'll be the only one on the chair, like freaking out. And I'll look around me and most of the audience is sitting there like baffled. And I'm like, oh man, just listen to the whole record when you buy records. But very few yeah, people like do. Break for them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it's brutal. And, and the thing is, if you put those songs too late in the set, those people just leave. You know, it's crazy. Like, you know, you got to play them early and you got to try to sneak them in and uh, appease the people that, you know, want to hear it all. But man, it's, it sucks after year after year, you know, you go on tour and there's certain songs you just have to play. And, and if you veer from that at all, it's, you get both people going, that was the greatest set list ever with, you know, three likes. And then you got, what the hell are you guys thinking? Why didn't you play this, this, and this <laughs> when you're all hits and you know, people are pissed. So you really can't win, but it's tough. What is the, what is the one Avenged Sevenfold song in your history and in your catalog that you feel that like, what is the one that people will just go absolutely ape shit if the show ended and you didn't play it it would have to be i'd say nightmare nightmare yeah nightmare nightmare or afterlife yeah those two songs are just big for us and we we wouldn't even dare take them out of the set i was gonna ask have you have you ever have you ever not done them well we didn't do backcountry for like a year and a half and it really wasn't that big of a deal i mean we were coming off of the nightmare album and off of uh the white album and Night Backcountry was our biggest song up to that point. Um, but I think that also had like a little bit, a tinge of like people didn't like it because it was on TRL and MTV, even though it got us, you know, our initial fan base. I think people have come back around to that record and that, that song, but for a while there, you know, it's like, that's the sellout song, you know, you you got popular, <laughs> you jerks. <laughs> uh, let me ask you what's going on with the stage now. Cause you mentioned you got a tour You've got uh, you're going out on a, on your your headline tour, kicking off January twelfth in Nashville. I've got the press release here. You've got uh, a relatively short run for you guys, at least what's announced so far. You January twelfth, and then ending uh, mid February, February eleventh. So is this a, a, a starting warm up thing, or is this is this all that's scheduled at the moment? This is you know we uh, did all those major markets with Metallica, and, and one thing that we talked to promoters with they just want to give it a little rest before we go back and they think next summer doing a big major market summer tour like just to blow it out and just do something huge uh would be better than going you know during the winter uh and and there's a lot of analytics that go get involved in these and you know right now people rock fans don't you know i'm not and there's gonna be a bunch of rock fans out there that are like no i love going to arenas but take uh, shows in arenas just don't do as well as those sheds and um, so one thing that, you know, the promoters want to do is make sure that we put on the big show and it's in the sheds during the summer 
and we really want to do arenas. Um, so this is kind of them appeasing us and letting us do arenas in the winter. And then um, we go to Europe and we're going to do a bunch of festivals over there. We're going to announce those soon. And then we're going to do some of the Danny Wimmer festivals that are around um, in May, I think it is. And then Australia and looking at some different things. But we have so much stuff coming out. And this is kind of the first you know, tip of the iceberg. Um, and that's kind of why we're releasing that deluxe record now is to kind of, you know, put it out just before Christmas and get people ready for what this show is going to be about. We'll talk about that record in a second, but back to the tour for people that uh, that want to find out what's going on. Just go to the band's website to see if there's a date near you. And what's interesting about it is you are out in the winter, you are out in arenas, and you are uh, all of these. Most of these cities you're doing that are on this run are smaller markets. You know, Reading, Pennsylvania, and Green Bay, and Peoria, and Biloxi, and uh, Little Rock, and Wichita. So uh, it's it's. I'm imagining it sounds like those are also markets where they probably don't get to see a show like this all that often. Yeah, you know, and there's a lot of um, radio out there that gets ignored. A lot of um, a lot of rock stations that you know are still alive in those markets, and and they have great followings out there. Um, you know, they wouldn't put us there if, if, if there wasn't a following. And it, it just feels like when you go to those places, um, yeah, they get less shows. So they're, they're more appreciative and they come out and they, I mean, I, I'm telling you, these ticket sales are insane. I've never, we've never had anything like it. And the tickets went on sale Friday. Um, so I don't know if it's great support with Breaking Benjamin and, and Bullet for My Valentine, but something's working and these people are starving for shows. And so we're, we're, more than amped up for these things. It's going to be pretty exciting. And like I said, major markets will happen next summer when, you know, people have a little time to calm down from the last Metallica tour. And talking about the stage production, and, and we're going to talk about the special edition of the stage before I let you go, which is coming out in December. But as far as the production that you're going to bring out, whether it, with these dates and then what you're, you're going to do again going into next year, you've done, you've done the full stage show in, in Europe already. Is that correct? Yeah, we did it in Europe and in the UK. So we're going to be bringing that over and uh, doing the full show here in the States. And, and, you know, some of these places are hockey arenas and they won't be able to handle all of it. But um, or like, you know, college arenas or, you know, basketball gyms or whatever. But um, when we can, we're going to be bringing every every single thing with us. And you, the album, The Stage, is going to come out in a special edition on December 15th. You have been putting out some songs and and some things most recently a cover of pink floyd's wish you were here which uh i thought was was phenomenal so the idea i would think is that you're maybe the stage was a little bit as you you kind of alluded to earlier off the radar a little bit to the casual fans so by putting some new bells and whistles around it and representing the album like this I imagine the hope is that you're giving a lot of added value to people who have may have already bought it, but also maybe kind of pointing the finger to it a little bit again, too. Is that sort of what you're going for? Yeah, totally. I mean, when we first released this thing in the first press release, we were talking about how the record was going to evolve. And I got, you know, my hand slapped by, you know, the label and everyone said, well, don't promise people things, you know, because we don't know how it's going to play out. And it actually turned out exactly how we wanted it to. We had recorded all these covers while we recorded the stage, and we are just sitting on them. And my idea was to have, you know, randomly songs just drop and fall into the record on Spotify or Apple Music um, for free. You know, they just add on to your record. Um, and what happened was we got a bunch of fans that were mad about free music. They said, well, we want to buy it. So we, finally we just said, okay, when all the songs are out, we'll let it sit for a while. 
and then we'll release a deluxe version so that if you want to buy it, you can. If you want to keep streaming it for free or for your nine ninety nine a month, you can do that as well. And then to add a cherry on top, we took four songs from the UK tour, which are the first four songs on the stage record, so you have that live as well. So there's 22 tracks. It's like over two hours of music, two and a half hours of music. Um, so now we got the ultimate deluxe thing for people that want to have, you know, a physical copy of this thing. Yeah, and that would be me. I mean, the, the minute that this is available as a CD with everything in one place, that's exactly what I love and go for. You know, going back to Metallica, it was interesting how they put out their their latest record, Hardwired, because there were like three different versions of it. And for a long time, like over the course of the last year or two, Metallica had put out like this song called Lords of Summer that never made it onto a record. They had this great Rainbow Dio medley that was on the, the Dio tribute only. And they had a bunch I of like cool. Well, it's a, yeah, it's amazing. But they had all these things in different sort of places. And then I was really happy because when they did the deluxe of Hardwired, there was a third disc in there that accumulated everything in one spot. So it was just, I just love when, when you're able to do that. Now you've got, You've got a few different covers, and what what's interesting is your choices that you made because it's an eclectic mix of music as far as covers are concerned. Starting with the Pink Floyd tune, what what was this beyond that being an all time classic in classic rock land? What was the idea behind tackling "Wish You Were Here"? Well, the idea with doing that one is I've always loved the song, and and I really thought we could put a modern twist on it, which was you know to add some bigger drums. Um, to have drums played throughout the whole thing, create two different solos where, where Brian could do his own solos and then add a second chorus to it. Um, and, and, you know, I've, I've, I said this in the press release, there's no way we were going to capture um, what they were feeling at, at the time and, and how emotional that song is. So we took a different approach to it, tried to, tried to just make it a, more, a little more modern and just do our own thing to it. And then we also felt with what's going on in the world right now, it was just a very appropriate time to release it. Um, and, you know, at the time, the song was about Sid Barrett. And then, you know, as the Vietnam War was ending, I know it was played a lot during that, as I hear from my manager and people that were around during that time. Um, and I just feel like the world's at a crazy place right now. So it worked out. The rest of the songs, the guy said, well, why do you get to pick a cover? And why don't we get to pick covers? So everyone kind of picked their own songs. You know, Zach went with Del Shannon's Runaway and, we did the Beach Boys, which Brian loves the Beach Boys. We did God Only Knows. We did a, a Mexican, you know, folk song uh, called Malagueña Celerosa. And, and we did a Mr. Bungle song. So we just had fun with it. And we just wanted to do what we wanted to do, not, you know, every fan going, do a cover of Hangar 18 or do a, you know, <laughs> Eyes of a Stranger or, you know, like every metal song that you can think of. We just wanted to have fun with things that we, you know, have discovered through our journey in this crazy musical world. You know, and I watched the video for Wish You Were Here. That's kind of like you're wanted dead or alive, man. <laughs> you know? There you go. Or like a Paradise City, you know, like those totally. TV, you know, stadiums and then it's black and white and just yeah, it's like we've got that touch. I mean, we're always gonna have our one foot in in the bands of yesteryear, the bands that I grew up listening to, and that's why, you know, we're always gonna have that little hint in Avenged Sevenfold because that's where we came from. Yeah, no, I thought it was incredibly cool, and that's exactly what I took from it. I'm like, wow, this is their paradise city, and to want it dead or alive, and there you are from the stages to the plane, and you guys traveling large, flying private, and uh, you know the kids, the family, the black, the black and white. It was all happening, man. I thought it was cool as hell. Yeah, it's funny because I was thinking, you know, I don't like 
like when I saw the cut of the video, I was like, I don't know if we need the private planes in there. It's like <laughs> probably not what Pink Floyd was, what Pink Floyd was thinking when they wrote that song. But, you know, at the same time, it, it's a little bit of the glitz and the glamour. Uh, and, you know, it's funny, you play in that stadium show and then you see us walk off and I'm instantly grab my, my two-year-old, you know, and, yeah. you know, I'm back to daddy mode, probably changing a diaper right after that. So <laughs> it is what it is. And yeah, I think you got Hetfield in there, right? Hetfield makes a little cameo. We did. We had Hetfield. I, I know uh, um, we had some wrestlers in there. We had Chris Anderson, Birdman in there. So just people that came out on the tour and were, and were following the tour for a couple of days and hanging out and, you know, uh, Braun Strowman. Yeah. And so like all the wrestling fans are going nuts, but yeah, just friends that are out there that love heavy metal, trying to get them to represent because, there's not not enough of us out there. Yeah, absolutely. I was just waiting for the one shot, like where you, the I was waiting for the shot where you were like collapsed from exhaustion on stage, and some some roadie came, picks you up, and throws you over his shoulder and runs you <laughs> off. We'll, we'll put that in the next one. <laughs> You know that there. You know that like like in Wanted Dead or Alive, there's always that classic shot where the guy's just like so exhausted at the end because rock and roll is so grueling that some two roadies. Know, his life is so hard. His life is his so life hard is that somebody has to come running out and grab him and pull him off the stage. You get him an IV and take him to his private jet. And he'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Nothing a bottle of Fiji water won't cure. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, listen, By the man. Way, did you see that picture? Hey, did you see that picture of? Uh, of Keith and uh, Angus recently. Uh, yes. At the show. We were, me and Jericho were laughing about that, how Keith got the, uh, you know, the cigarette and like probably his Jack and Coke. And then Angus has got his, uh, like his tea and he's not even playing. It's just so funny to see those legends together and uh, how, how badass the Rolling Stones are. Yeah. Well, and if you think about it too, I mean, there's Angus who I'm sure is besides himself that he's talking to Keith. You know, I know, isn't that crazy? There's a hi- generation, man. Yeah. <laughs> there's a hierarchy to everything, and it's just like, I'm sure, like, I said this the other day, I just got this Stones Blu-ray of, it's called, uh, it's it, them doing Sticky Fingers Live 2015 at the Fonda Theater in L.A. Just came out. And I watched it the other day, and I put it in, and I'm watching this, and I was just like, I did a whole rant about it on the air, because I was like, this is not right, like, it shouldn't be possible for Mick Jagger to be like this at this age. Like the way I know it's, it, there's something like, and I'm not even joking. There should be some sort of like tests run on his DNA or something. The guy is, he's still unbelievable. And he, I don't even know if people like, I know he's Mick Jagger. I know people acknowledge it, but I don't know if people realize how old this guy is now and what he's doing is this just not? It shouldn't be possible. It's it's bizarre, actually. And, he, and he's still having kids. <laughs> he's still crazy. Kid. <laughs> he, he just had a. Didn't he just have a kid like last year? Yeah, that might be something to do with the DNA too. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It's there. unbelievable. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Think about that. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> he's living it up, man. It really yeah. is, man. It's encouraging too because. I'm all for guys staying in the party for as long as they they can, as long as they can still perform well, as long as you're not sitting there saying, oh, man, he really should have packed it in. So as long and you never you never say that about the Stones. No, you never do. I was actually surprised. And I don't know how you feel about this, but did you you know, on a desert trip when Bob Dylan was opening for them? Did you find that weird at all? Just I thought Bob Dylan should have had his own night, but I guess maybe people I. Aren't as big of a fans of Bob Dylan at this point. I, I felt it was weird. I thought I thought it was weird that Bob Dylan was opening for anybody. 
um, I guess the Rolling Stones would be the one band you would open for. But I mean, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I guess I guess somebody had to take the slot. And I think that in the big picture, I mean, I think the Stones, I mean, I think that's proper billing. I think the Stones, yeah. I mean, really outside of the Beatles who aren't active anymore or, well, McCartney, of course. I mean, I don't think there's anything, I don't think there's anything more, you know, you know, bigger than the Stones. You know, that's I don't true. think there's anything, I mean, even those guys of that era, uh, even even when it comes to the Who, I mean, I still, in my sort of mind, I still put the Stone, uh, the Stones above that. Yeah, I mean, I, the Dylan thing just was weird to me. I guess I've just, my dad was a huge Dylan fan. I just heard so much about Bob Dylan and what he meant at a certain time. Uh, it was just it was just strange to me that he would open for anybody. So I guess, but you're right, someone had to do it. Uh, it was a big show, and I'm sure they all got paid millions and millions of dollars <laughs> to do it. It sounds like that Desert Trip show made a big mark on you as a younger guy. I mean, was that the first and only chance you had to really see all those people? No, it wasn't the first and only chance, but it was just a, an experience that, I mean, these are all guys, you don't know how long they're going to be around. And right. At the same time, Floyd's one of my favorite groups of all time, and Paul McCartney playing, um, it's one of Brian's favorite groups, it is Brian's favorite group, the Beatles, and he played so much John Lennon stuff, it was unbelievable. Um, he played all sorts of stuff that we had never heard him play before. It was, I mean, I've always been a fan of those bands, so I would rather go to that then go to Coachella or any kind of big four concert. To me, I would rather see all those classic songs and classic records played, but you know, I think I'm just an old soul. It is what it is. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, and, and you think about it and you're, you're, you're spot on. I mean, you just, as, as much as it is crazy that I think Jagger 74 or whatever, and how good he still moves and looks and sings and what he does. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, look what we just, Steven Tyler just had to cancel four shows in, in South America and come back and Scorpions were just out and canceled the last four shows of their tour. So all of these guys that are these hero bands that for a lot of people, the, the, the cracks are starting to show and nobody can go on forever. So uh, if you can get out there and see them and still see them reasonably close to what they were, it's, it's definitely worth doing. I, I McCartney just came through here. I was bummed that I missed that. And a lot of people told me that the Roger Waters recent show from a production standpoint was unlike anything they had ever, ever seen before. That's what I've heard. I haven't seen it yet, but talking about the hierarchy, I guess James Hetfield was going to hang out with Paul McCartney in Toronto or one of the cities we were in or Miami. That's right. McCartney played across the street in the arena. And we heard that McCartney was going to show up and hang out with Hetfield. And we were just like sitting around like puppy dogs, just waiting to get a glimpse of Paul McCartney, you know, like, that hierarchy where, yeah, James is a friend and Metallica is the greatest metal band, in my opinion. But, now if Paul McCartney walks in the building, it's just like royalty. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. You know, I'll give you a quick funny story about that, about hierarchy. When Metallica was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I don't know, was like seven, eight years ago, they, they did something incredibly cool. They invited uh, the 100 people that they felt were really – influential or instrumental to them early on in their career. And it was everything from people in the industry to friends to people who had fanzines. I mean, you, you know, those guys, I mean, they're, they're so connected yeah. to where they came from and they're so good like that. So they invited me. And when I say invited people to the hall of fame, they didn't just say, Hey, we got a ticket for you. They sent a plane ticket, hotel reservation, anything you needed. They covered everything. So, the night the night before the induction, it was in Cleveland, they rented out the House of Blues in Cleveland and had a private party for all their guests. 
And everybody under their hotel room door got this note saying, hey, you're here as an invited guest of Metallica. Uh, we, we don't want anybody to bring cameras. We've got this covered. We want everybody to just be able to hang and not pull out cameras. And not, we're going to have photographers there. Everything will be posted online. You can grab whatever you want. Please don't bring any cameras or autographs or anything like that. We're all friends. You're all family. So it was all good, right? Well, yeah. go to the party. And everyone's at the House of Blues, and all the Metallica guys, past, present, are all hanging out because it's the Hall of Fame. Everybody's having some drinks, having a good time, talking. Everybody's obeying the rules. About halfway through the night, into the party walks Jimmy Page and Joe Perry together. The, wow. the world stopped in that room. Everybody, It was almost like everything froze and and Matt, you saw even Lars pulling out cameras out of their pocket. Like that's amazing. The rules went completely out the friggin' window. Everybody's like, "Holy shit!" I get a Jimmy Page or Joe Perry, and 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 everything just like everybody, even Metallica, broke their own rules, and it became like fanboy mania. Uh, it was it was that's something. Awesome. It was a moment I'll never forget. You had some of the most like esteemed rock people in the world under one roof. But here comes Jimmy Page with his buddy Joe Perry, and it was just like, all bets are off. I got to get this moment. It was crazy, That's man. That's unbelievable. That's a great story. That's yeah. awesome. And Ross Halfin stopped me. I was the last person in line to get the photo, and Ross, I'll never forget it, Halfin stuck his hand up and cut it off. He was the la- I was the last guy oh, to not. Ross. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's too funny. Oh, well, listen, man, it's always great to talk to you. Again, everybody check out uh, the new version of The Stage, which is out on December 15th from Avenged Sevenfold, and the tour kicking off January 12th in Nashville and runs through the middle of February with more dates to be announced later in 2018. And looks like you get some family time between now and then. That's right. Carving some pumpkins and trick-or-treating. It'll be good. <laughs> hey, man, it's always great to talk to you. Stay in touch. I'll hit you up next time I'm out west, okay? You too. Thanks a lot, man. Have a good one. You got it. Well, my thanks to M. Shadows of Event Sevenfold. Always great to talk to him on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hope you enjoyed that interview. Thanks to Katie Irizarry. She's the producer of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Remember, if you're doing any shopping on Amazon, start at my page, which is amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Be sure to visit me on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. EddieTrunk.com is the website. All my appearances on the homepage, they include coming to the Houston area where I will be at the Parfest coming up on November 11th. Also coming back to Tulsa, hosting a show with Lita Ford and Jack Russell's Great White on December 1st. Also coming to Dallas soon for the Metal Christmas show at the Bomb Factory with Ace Frehley, L.A. Guns, and more. That on December 16th. Everything listed on the homepage of my website, eddytrunk.com, that is confirmed. Guys, have a great week. I'll see you next Thursday for another all-new episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast on podcastone.com or iTunes.
Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. That's right. The Lady Ang podcast is turning 100. We have laughed, cried, giggled, unfiltered through 100 episodes, and we want you to join us for our 100th birthday extravaganza. We're looking back at all the best moments, the funniest moments, the best advice we got from our 100 guests, and we want you to join us. So come find us on Tuesday, and you can find us exclusively at podcastone.com or the new Podcast One app. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so we can feel famous. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.